This is Enacting the Kingdom, a podcast about liturgical worship. I'm Father Yuri Claudio, an Orthodox Christian priest with a lifelong desire to keep learning. I'm joined by my friend and teacher, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Father Jeffrey is the director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto and holds a doctorate in liturgical theology. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Father Jeffrey. Welcome to our listeners. Welcome to me as well. <laughs> we, it's always good to welcome yourself. <laughs> you have to. We have to have positive self-talk. I hear that in a lot of self-help circles, Father Jeffrey. Uh, the, uh, so today we're talking about the blessing of the oil and the anointing, the blessing of the oil. So obviously when we think about baptism services, we think a lot about the dunking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if we've ever been to the baptism of like an infant, right? That's where all the cameras come out, right? The, or the the presbyter lifts up the baby, puts the baby into the font or whatever they ha- might, might have. And there's the dunking, the splashing, right? The baby might start crying. All the people take out their cameras. There's lots of flashing going on. Um, but just before that is actually a moment that is quite profound and quite deep. But no one seems to, you know, it, it's not the picture-taking moment that the dunking is. And that is the blessing of the oil and the anointing. So what I thought we could do today, Father Jeffrey, is do our usual read through some of the prayers and we can figure out exactly what's going on here. Um, Absolutely. Before, before we dive into the blessing of the oil and the anointing, I think it'd be worth like, it's interesting because the word anointing is a normal English word, but it's actually not a word that we use very often in everyday life. So I'm wondering if we could maybe just talk a little bit about anointing um, and how it was used in Bible times, so to speak, but maybe how it's even used today in non-Christian contexts. Like what, what is anointing, basically? Hmm. Interesting question. Because I think you're right, because it's one that um, you know, very few English speakers would not understand the meaning of it, but as you say, it's it's not something that we do a lot, right? So it's to right. kind of smear something or rub it with with oil. I mean, it, it is typically connected with religious rituals and things like that, right? So not just Christian, you know, this is right across the board in terms of human, you know, societies and religious practice and and so forth. I think probably the context in which people are maybe most familiar with it, although this hasn't happened very often in our lifetime, uh, is like the anointing of uh, a monarch, right? So, you know, Mm. one day we will be, um, you know, witnessing the anointing of the successor to Queen Elizabeth II, and uh, that successor, Charles, will be anointed, right? And that will be... um, part of the grand ceremony of, of making, you know, him the, the head of state. Um, and, you know, that, that's maybe the, the connection in which people would think of anointing. Of course, that goes right back to biblical times itself, right? So anointing in the scriptures is connected with priesthood. It's connected with prophecy. It's connected with, with kingship. So those three kind of key parts of what really come together to, to, to form the, the idea of the Messiah, right? And the word Messiah means anointed, right? The one who is anointed is king and priest and prophet. And so uh, Jesus is anointed uh, by the Holy Spirit as king, priest, and prophet. And so that's what gives the name Christ 
to, to Jesus. That's not his surname, in case anybody was wondering. <laughs> it doesn't come from the Christ family, you know, with the Christ genealogy. Christos means anointed. It means the same word. Mm. It's the Greek equivalent of Mashiach, you know, Messiah yeah. uh, from the Hebrew. So the one who is anointed, and there are, there are numerous people in the scriptures who are anointed, kings and priests and prophets, but the one anointed with a capital A or with a capital M or a capital C, depending on the language you're using, is the Christ, the Messiah, the one who comes to fulfill everything about kingship and prophecy and priesthood. And so our own anointing uh, as part of the baptismal service, and it's, it's, it's important to note at this point, there are two anointings that take place in the baptismal service. The, the kind of sacramental and fuller one is the one that takes place after baptism, the mm-hmm. chrismation, right? Uh, but this also is an anointing, right? And it carries a lot of the same themes and symbolism that, that the later one and, and the one with the Holy Miron does, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in our podcast uh, series. But you know, for now, all of the connections of what oil means and the anointing with it are, are kind of brought to bear in this kind of proto-anointing, the first anointing, the anointing before the immersion, the baptism of the candidate. The only other place in maybe human life that I can think of the word anointing maybe being used it would outside of say a religious context might be in like an old fashioned word you might use in like in, in healing, like, like in uh, the medical field or anything like that. If you, if you're like, we, we might say like, if you have an injury, you might dress it. Right. Hmm. Um, but you know, having, I guess you wouldn't really use it in the medical field, but, um, but it has an association I think with healing as well. Um, right, which is another of the the kind of wider meanings of the use of oil in, in the scriptures, and, and what a rich, you know, line of inquiry that would be to look up every instance of the use of oil uh, in the scriptures, and you would just see how rich you know that is. I mean, oil. I mean, for us, I mean, it still plays an important role in you know food and you know, to some extent medicine or, you know, kind of healing or essential oils and that sort of thing. We, we have those, you know, connotations today. But in ancient times, of course, this was, you know, absolutely critical to life, right? The, the use of oil, both in, in terms of nourishment, but also, you know, in medicine, you know, where you don't have antibiotics and, and uh, other medicines. Um, oil was precisely one of those pure substances that could be used to as part of the healing process and of course the mind immediately goes to that parable in uh, the gospel of luke about the the good samaritan who picks up the israelite left for dead on the side of the road and pours oil and wine into his wounds right before carrying him and, and putting him in the in the hospice the inn for for further care but the, the pouring of oil onto something was yeah, I mean, it was for full health and healing and and sanctification and blessing, um, all of that. Uh, but it was you know, critical for life. Without that, you wouldn't have had, you know, the possibility of of recovery from certain types of of disease and illness and 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 so forth. It reminds me of uh, in Psalm one hundred three, which is the f- opening psalm of Vespers, which we have a series uh, on at the beginning of our ser- at the beginning of our show, which is there's a line that says, um, "Oil to make his face shine, 
right? Talking mm-hmm. about humanity, right? Oil will make his face shine and bread that strengthens his heart. So oil is seen, I think, in that context as part of, I don't know, to, to maybe use some buzzwords from a prosperity gospel uh, um, language, like an abundant, like the great abundance like of God, right? Um, that That's the image that I think we're supposed to get when, when we talk about anointing. Sure. Well, I mean, that's one of those kind of wider meanings. I say if you trace the word through the scriptures, you'll find, you know, the, the idea of um, the abundance of oil or the overflowing of oil is a sign of prosperity, of God's kind of nourishment, right? Um, there's the images like the bathing of your feet in oil. If you can do that, you know, you are blessed, you are highly favored, right? Um, and, um, you know, the images like the, you know, rocks pouring out streams of olive oil uh, and so forth. I mean, oil is actually, um, I mean, it, when it's abundant, you know, it's a sign of that kind of prosperity. But but when it's lacking, you know, uh, it it's it it's a sign of you know the the lack of of blessing, the the the, the lack of prosperity, uh, kind of want, you know, famine, even you know the, the the so conversely, you also get you know in in various prophets and places and in the scriptures references to when the oil you know, will run out, you know, the, when the new wine dries up and olive oil fails, right. Um, is a reference in, in Joel. Um, so when there's drought, you lack oil, when there's abundance and prosperity, the oil is pouring forth and it means so much. It's that abundance, it's joy, it's gladness, it's reconciliation and, and brotherly love, right. Uh, Every time we vest, Father Yuri, uh, you know, and we, we use that verse from the Psalms about the precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down Aaron's beard on the collar of his robe, which is the, the sign of, of, of brothers who dwell together, right, in, 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 in brotherly love that that oil pours out. It's a sign of, uh, of wisdom, of, of, of treaties between peoples. There's references in the prophets to oil being sent from one nation to another when they're, you know, kind of coming into agreement, you know, with one another. Um, and then ultimately, I suppose, I mean, it's, it's the sign of the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, right? So that's ultimately what the anointing of a king or of a prophet or of a priest is all about. It's the descent of the Holy Spirit on someone. And of course, that will you know, finally be what chrismation is about after the, the, the baptism within these mysteries of initiation, you know, but even here, it's the presence of God, right? It's, it's God who comes and fills all with his joy, his peace, his love, his grace. And, and that's the, the power and activity you know, of the Holy Spirit um, in the world. So the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is like that pouring out of, of oil um, that we get. And when, when that's flowing abundantly, I mean, there's nothing you know, richer, right? Than, than a meal that's prepared with good olive oil. There's nothing more luxurious than a bath that has that oil, you know, added to it with its fragrance, with its uh, aromas and, uh, you know, that kind of texture that that brings. So the oil is, is a sign of richness of love and grace poured out on the world. Mm-hmm. And that, that's reflected as well in our Orthodox fasting rules, right? That, one of the things that's called for on the days of strictest fasting is to abstain from oil. 
Exactly. Yeah. And people wonder, you know, why, you know, what's that about? And of course, then they get into the, you know, kind of regular hand wringing over what does this actually mean? Does it apply to all oils? Does it apply to, you know, margarine as well as, (laughs) you know, the kind of richness of, of, uh, of, of an olive oil. But I mean, it's, it's about precisely this rhythm, you know, a feast and fast, right? You know, where, where, where oil la- is lacking, it is a f- time of drought, of famine, of, of fasting, a time of dependence, a time of turning back towards God and asking again for his blessing to be bestowed, which is, of course, all wrapped up in, in those days of, of reorientation and repentance of, of fasting and so forth. When, when oil lacks, then we are reminded again of our dependence, you know, on God. So so it, it, it's the symbolic aspect of that rather than the kind of food, you know, ingredient mm. characteristics of it that, that really matters. So, so I, I, I mean, one of the, the things when it comes to fast days is about, you know, when you, when you lack that oil, you can't actually cook, right? So, so that's why right, it's right. meant to be dry eating. Serophagy is the, is the Greek for that. So you're supposed to be eating dried fruits and nuts and things and not actually, you know, going to that extent of preparing a rich meal which the the oil is is the it's the means towards that so it's not just even the oil itself but what it enables it enables this rich life and abundance and a full table and the hospitality and the overpouring of 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 grace and and um, and goodness that 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 means so without the oil you can't do all of that you're back to turning to God in, in a state of utter contingency and dependence. And so to go, we have to go through these, these rhythms. That's the whole point, right? It's, we need that uh, in order to experience the feast, you have to have fasted, right? And mm. people have, you know, often tell me this, you know, that because uh, you know, they're forever confessing, well, I've sinned, I've, I've not fasted. And I point out, you know, that's not actually a sin, but you are depriving yourself of the joy, actually of the feast mm-hmm. because if without the without the valleys you don't notice the mountains i think mm-hmm. i've given this example before the, the you know those poor people in tibet who live at the highest you know point of the world don't know it most of the time because you know they're on a, a plateau mm-hmm. um so to to live at the top of a mountain you need the valley to to be able to appreciate that so we to to be at the feast of you know, uh, of a particular, you know, celebration, whether it's Pascha or any of the feasts of the church to have prepared by fasting, to prepare each Sunday by fasting on the Wednesday and Friday before that. It's an important part of our, of our experience of the rhythm of God's, uh, you know, of our dependence on God and then of our experience of God's abundance and the, the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. The podcast you're listening to reflects only the public half of the overall project of enacting the kingdom. Father Jeffrey and I actively post new episodes on our completely separate private podcast. This private space gives us the freedom to debate and discuss open and sometimes controversial questions regarding the Orthodox faith amongst a smaller and more dedicated audience. If you become a patron now, you'll get immediate access to our growing backlog of private episodes, including a discussion on the ordination of women and the coronavirus multiple spoon controversy. To get access to our private podcast, go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom. Looking forward to having you join our growing community on Patreon. Now back to the show. 
Wonderful. So here we are at the service of baptism. You can imagine, you know, there's the candidate standing there for baptism and, you know, there's been exorcisms. There's been the, you know, procession into the middle of the church. There's been the litany of peace, remembering God's peace in all of creation. There's the blessing of the water, which is reclaiming this water uh, for the purposes that they were originally created. And then you have... Um, then you have the blessing of the oil. So I'll read the prayer. I'll read the little rubric and the prayer, and then we can chat about it. Sure. So uh, the service book says this. The priest breathes upon the vessel containing the oil three times and likewise makes the sign of the cross over it three times with his right hand. O Lord and Master, the God of our fathers, who sent unto them that were in the ark of Noah, your dove, bearing in its beak a twig of olive, the token of reconciliation and of salvation from the flood, the foreshadowing of the mystery of grace, and provided the fruit of the olive for the fulfilling of your holy mysteries, who thereby did fill them that were under the law with your Holy Spirit, and did perfect them that are under grace. Bless also this holy oil with the power and operation and indwelling of your Holy Spirit, that it may be an anointing unto incorruption and armor of righteousness to the renewing of the soul and body, to the averting of every, every assault of the devil, to deliverance from all evil of those who shall be anointed with it in faith or who are partakers thereof. Unto your glory and the glory of your only begotten Son and your all holy good and life creating Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages, Amen. Well, there's a lot going in uh, going on here. There's a lot of talk of the you know the Holy Spirit, right? right? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which connected with what you. I mean, it, it connects. I think I, I'm reminded of. Well, you mentioned that the one of the titles of Jesus is Christ, which means the Anointed. Right, mm. the one who is anointed, the anointed one, and the fact that an anointing is going to be happening to the candidate at, at a baptism, like your brain almost goes to the story of Jesus Christ descending into the waters of Jordan, rising up, and having the the Holy Spirit descend upon him. Right, um, so that's that, that's where my mind goes in terms of kind of connecting it to the life of of Jesus. And am I on the right track there? Yeah, and obviously, ultimately, the fulfillment in our mysteries of initiation, because you know, the, the, if you had to reduce this to what the sacramental actions are in terms of those holy mysteries, you have the immersion in the water, the baptism itself, and then you have chrismation, which will follow. So there will be a further anointing. And so that ordering of baptism and then descent of the Holy Spirit is preserved you know, in those core you know, ritual actions of the, the holy mysteries, the sacraments. But as it said in that prayer that you just read, here is a foreshadowing of the mystery of grace, right? So this isn't, you know, it's not not the Holy Spirit descending or anointing here mm -hmm. either, right? And and in the Greek, the words for anointing, you know, are the same words of, you know, Christ, uh, Christos. Um, and so the references here, I think, to to the the old covenant, to to Noah, for example, and the 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 bird who brings, uh, the, the dove who brings the twig of olive in its mouth. And of course, a dove, right? It had to be a dove because the Holy Spirit will take the form of a dove descending on Christ um, in his uh, own baptism at the hands of John the forerunner. But so we have this Old Testament prototype of the Christian baptism, right? And so in a way, 
what's happening here in this anointing before the actual immersion, before the actual chrismation, is kind of everything that the old covenant represents, right? And contra those that would say, well, you know, the Holy Spirit is not necessarily created, but only appears, you know, in the New Testament, is not true at all. Holy Spirit's there from the first moments of creation and all of the interaction between the people of Israel from, you know, calling of Abraham through, you know, the, the, the bringing of the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, you know, through Moses and through the activities of the judges and the prophets and the kings and so forth. All the people of Israel, there is a constant interaction with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is poured out in the Old Covenant. What's new about Pentecost and thereafter is it's a pouring out universally on all nations. That's what had been prophesied in Joel, that the day of the Lord would come and the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all creation. But what we have in the Old Covenant is a foreshadowing of the mystery of grace in this unique people that were called, you know, from Abraham forward, but then looking back even before Abraham to people like Noah and so forth, we have a foreshadowing of the mystery of God's grace. And so almost represented here in this service, we have a a kind of in miniature, a capturing of that, a foreshadowing of the mystery of grace in this first anointing. And it means, you know, everything that the oil means across the scriptures, the, 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 the writings of the, of the old covenant of the people of Israel and so forth. So indeed it's the, the peace and reconciliation of the twig of olive, uh, in the beak of the, the dove who comes to Noah. Indeed, it's, you know, the, um, the, the, filling those who were under the law with the Holy Spirit, as it says in this prayer, right? Perfecting those that are under grace and, and so forth. So uh, you think back to, as I said before, all the use of oil and all the u- all the references to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit what we have in the Old Covenant that will then indeed come to its fulfillment in those who are part of the new creation. Because what's going to happen after this is a death and a resurrection, and then an, an entering into the kingdom of grace that is formed by the Holy Spirit. But this here is the foreshadowing of that mystery of grace. Mm-hmm. And then the presbyter, the presbyter makes the sign of the cross three times in the water with the oil. So Father Jeffrey, I believe he'll pour the oil into the water. That's right. Um yeah, and you actually mentioned earlier about like those luxurious baths with oil, right? Um, so I wonder if there's something related here with kind of having that, having that abundance that that uh, of God's creation being present in that baptismal water. Well, sure. I mean, we've already done, and you can refer back to the previous episode. I talked about the the kind of exorcism of the water, the the the, the water that is ambiguously either death or life, right? It's both, and we've we've exercised the water, we've committed it to being a water of life rather than a water of death. Um, although there will be a death that happens here mm-hmm. in order for there to be new life. But but the water has been purified by and called back to what its original and, and true purpose is by the activity of God. But now you know, that the descent of the Holy Spirit is now represented even more fully by this pouring of the oil. So the it's water and oil together, which, you know, 
in practical terms, and as you probably well know, it means that it's going to be harder to clean out the font afterwards, mm-hmm. you know, because it gets pretty slimy. But um, but in terms of the, the feel, the luxurious feel of that water, as anybody knows, a kind of good bath where you pour oils and you have candles and, you know, I mean, this is a, it's a luxurious moment. It's one of those few moments where we can actually kind of, uh, you know, transcend, you know, the the, the kind of complexity and you know of our technical technological world and so forth we can kind of return to a kind of an elemental joy right water and oil and candles and and the incense and so forth i mean all these as i've just described them are part and parcel of you know the kind of spa <laughs> treatment yeah, yeah. that you might have right you know we were just missing the cucumbers on the eyes kind of thing um <laughs> maybe uh, we need to add that into our uh, <laughs> reformed liturgy here but but why is it like why if somebody says I want a luxurious day out a kind of retreat from the world the you know the workaday technological complex world that we live in you know they seek out those things well here we have them all coming together in this in the ritual of the mysteries of initiation right so uh, the, the smells we have the texture we have the 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 immersion in in the water uh, all of that's happening just like it would you know on in a good spa treatment but you know for this ultimate and truer purpose of bringing the fullness of new life and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon this candidate. So after the presbyter pours the oil in cruciform into the water, he says, blessed is God who illumines and sanctifies every person that comes into the world now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. And I'm going to read the last bit here as well, Father Jeffrey, and then we can Mm -hmm. talk about it. And then you actually have the anointing. So the presbyter proceeds to anoint the one to be baptized. He dips his two fingers or the brush into the blessed oil and traces the sign of the cross uh, on the candidate as follows. On the forehead saying, the servant of God name is anointed with the oil of gladness in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On the breast and shoulders saying, unto the soul, unto the healing of soul and body. On the ears saying, unto the hearing of the faith. On the hands, saying, your hands have made and fashioned me. And on the feet, saying, that he or she may walk in the way of your commandments. It's kind of like a holistic bodily call to participate in the life of God. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, just to extend that you know, earlier reference, you know, the when you, if you were to go in that kind of worldly sense and have a spa treatment, you know, it is a whole body experience, a holistic thing. It draws everything in. And so we're not leaving anything, you know, mm. out here. It, interesting that the Greek um, Orthodox service goes on and has a couple of other, um, you know, verses. Mm. Um, there's an anointing on the legs uh, that your steps may walk in every good deed. Mm-hmm. Uh, under the feet to tread on snakes and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. And then finally wow. on the back, whoever wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So clearly there, there's been an effort, you know, in, in liturgical tradition to, to make this as holistic as possible, as comprehensive, you know, as possible. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it, it just shows that, I mean, this is, as we're often tempted, right. To, to reduce, the the christian life the spiritual life to some kind of just mental exercise or some kind of thing of just the soul and that that somehow we leave the body and all the aspects of bodily life 
out of the equation. And, you know, here's just a tangible, tangible reminder right in front of us and, and right around the person who's being brought to baptism that there's nothing, there's no part of our body, of our whole life, our bodily life in this world that is not to be touched by this and, and brought in, immersed in this. And it's it's why we preserve, you know, we come on to the baptism right after this, you know, the full bodily immersion. It's, it's not just a pouring on the forehead or something like that with an indication that what really matters is just what you think or what you believe or or you know how you your inner life however that might be conceived or you know the idea that your soul will eventually escape the body and 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 be freed from it and go to heaven or or, or any of that I and mean, that's pagan that's that's a, a kind of gnostic anti-body religion which christianity has never had any part in we believe ultimately not in the salvation of immortal souls but of the resurrection of the body and so here the whole body is brought in right the whole and in, in the rubric in the greek services when the whole body of the person has been anointed with oil mm. the priest will then proceed to baptism and um you know that so if you've ever been at a, a greek orthodox um, service that the godparents will play a role particularly when it's a child obviously it's a little harder to accomplish with an adult but whatever mm. oil is left over after the priest has anointed in the ways that you described with the verses that you gave um the oil is just put all over the child right mm -hmm. and, and like which you know anybody who knows the the bar of soap in the shower phenomenon <laughs> and how yep. hard it is to hold onto it you do start to have the same sort of problem with a baby you know just be very careful that you've got a good grip <laughs> because otherwise <laughs> you know that the, the, the oil is this whole comprehensive um you know experience of god's grace right and and think mm -hmm we haven't mentioned yet here is that in the Greek, the word for the oil and the word for mercy, right, are practically the same word. They come from the same root um, historically. And so when we say Kyrie eleison, right, we've got that word eleos, God's mercy, um, and the word for oil, eleon, right? So eleos, eleon, or eleos, eleon. Um, and so what are we doing? We are surrounding the person, immersing the person, you know, just filling that person with God's mercy, reconciliation, peace, joy, grace. And uh, what a powerful, powerful image this is. And was there anything else you wanted to add, Father Jeffrey, or was that uh, everything? Um, maybe just a quick um, note that some of those verses that, that you uh, mentioned in terms of, uh, you know, Things like your hands have made and fashioned me, that, mm -hmm. that he or she may walk in the path of your commandments. These are, are verses, you know, from the scriptures, from that in particular Psalm 118, that in the Septuagint, 119 in the Hebrew, that super long, the longest of all the Psalms, the Psalm mm -hmm. about uh, God's Torah, his law, and the guidance of God's righteousness and, and so forth. And so, you know, in, in Jewish tradition, oil and Torah are also, you know, connected God's righteousness. So to be immersed in God's mercy and grace, it has a purpose, right? This is not just, you know, um, uh, you know, a, a moment or an event. It is for a, a purpose, a telos, a, a goal here, which is to follow in God's righteousness. So, so the 
the oil enables us and refashions us and that will you know prepare us for this baptism this new birth but that has a purpose that has a goal that has a um you know a direction to it which is the keeping of god's law and commandments right so the idea that god's hands have made and fashioned me that i may walk in the path of his commandments so it's it's a directional thing right and that'll that theme will continue through the rest of the baptism and right to to the end of it where there'll be a commissioning of the person for a role for a ministry for for a purpose within god the body of, of christ enacting the kingdom is a patron supported show and if you're not a patron you're only getting half of everything we create if you'd like to join our growing community of supporters, please go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom. Your patronage goes a long way to keeping this show going. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.